1: Welcome to this two-part episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Today, she is at Castello di Volpaia, in the heart of Tuscany. Stevie Kim sits down with Giovannella Stianti Mascheroni and her daughter Federica Mascheroni Stianti to talk about their epic estate, their amazing labels, and of course the history of this iconic family. And remember, if you would like to watch some footage of the castle and the interview, just head to our sister channel on YouTube, Mama Jumbo Shrimp.
2: All right, so let's taste one wine. What are we tasting?
3: Why don't we taste uh, the Coltasala? Why don't we? (laughs) Since it's the only one open. (laughs) Yes, don't say it. I have all the line up over there. (laughs) Okay, let's taste this one wine. The Coltasala. This is the 2018. And from the 2015 uh, vintage,
2: uh, it is a Gran Selezione. Oh, okay, it's Gran Selezione. Yes. All
3: right.
2: So tell me, how would you give me the tasting notes? Mm. She's going to do this. Uh, she's going oh, to do oh, this. Yes. <laughs> I notice when she doesn't want to speak, she's like,
4: yeah, you look, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look at her. Yes. Well, I'm the mother, let's yeah. say.
3: I'm not really a person that has a lot of words, so I'm not really able now. I had noticed. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to skip since the beginning uh, to to, to talk. uh, But um, for sure... No, you don't have to give me like, you know... uh, uh, I'm not
2: asking for, you know, James Suckling. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Luckily, luckily because I was already red in the color of uh, my uh, my cheeks. Uh, For sure, you have... If uh, in the Chianti Classico you have a cherry, in the Sala um, I found much more uh, um, amarena. How do you say? Um, um, the, no.
2: Amarena. Amarena. amarena.
3: amarena. 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 Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I it's think cherry. it's amarena. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, the um, darker cherry, the, the one that is uh, rounder and uh, less acid uh, than the cherries, mm-hmm. softer. And then um, mm, the blackberry. And then, um, then you have um, the structure is a wine that is aged also in barrique. Uh, so the structure uh, is also coming from the wood. But what we try is like not to impress it too much with the wood. So only one third is the new barrique. Oh, and okay.
2: Uh, and how many uh, is in barrique?
3: How many months? Uh? Yeah, how many months? Um, it's uh, roughly, depends upon the vintage, uh, between 18 and 24. Uh, and, you know, anyhow, to become a Grand Selezione, you need a minimum of six months after right. in the bottle. Right. So and
2: Bottle aging.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. that is very important. Sometimes a lot of people does not really take care about this point, but it's, uh, it's incredibly important, uh, the, the aging in the bottle. And to me, the best bottle is the manual. It's the perfect uh, dimension of the of the bottle and the cork on top. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Try to have a aged uh, magnum and the same vintage as a normal uh, 750, and it's, uh, it's uh, different. You can feel So, it. You,
2: know, you know, we were walking around the Borgo, mm-hmm. okay, uh,
3: Hamlet, as <laughs> we found out
2: today, and it is incredibly, for me, amazing how you were able to create a bonafide wine making facilities. Okay, so we spoke about, you know, the winemaking facilities, but inside of these small buildings, right? And how it's integrated. So tell us a little bit about the Borgo and your day-to-day life with the workers here.
4: <laughs> well, when there is something that started many years ago, wait, she looks at me anyhow, yes. I mean, really is the the soul of everything was my husband. I always say that my husband didn't marry me. He wanted Volpaya. And the only way to have Volpaya was to marry me. Uh So I was part Ah. of a package. He really felt in love with this place where we were coming just as uh, engaged. And, And then he started working and he was going very well with my father. So at the beginning, he had no money, so my father <laughs> helped. He had the idea, and mm-hmm. my father was financing the idea. So it was a good team. Huh? And they started that one thing at a time. That we didn't do everything at the same time. Huh? And also, we never knew that we would be what we are, because I'm sure that otherwise we would not do it, because it's so fascinating. Huh? And as long as we don't make money, mm-hmm. at least we live in a nice place. We enjoy <laughs> what we do every day, and that is the best reward that we can have.
2: Because I think your family was one of the very first utilizing the cold fermentation, um, control fermentation Absolutely. vessels, that, right? Yes.
4: That was really something that we, I mean, we changed it five times the, the way we ferment the wine. Mm-hmm. But every time was something new, we realized that uh, the the wine could, I mean, we start doing the stainless steel. So with stainless steel, you cannot leave it open because mm-hmm. you start the fermentation when it's very warm. So it's like uh, making a soup and have the heater at the maximum. So it boil, 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 and then the perfume will leave. Mm-hmm. So we immediately understood that uh, in wood, it would be different because there are much more uh, insulation uh, mm-hmm. around. But with stainless steel, it was very important to control the, the temperature. temperature. And we, we had this project uh, that uh, this person just made for us uh, because uh, there was not so much people doing this way. Now everybody are more or less abandoning this way and they're coming back to cement that we already started, mm-hmm. uh, tried. Now, there is a many different ways of fermenting, uh, and uh, that's depending from your own taste. For example, the ferment fermentals in clay. I tasted the wine. It's my personal taste. I don't like. It's not bad. Right. I don't like. Yeah, you don't
2: have, um, like, the eggs, you know, the exactly. fashionable. Exactly. Everyone has, like, some eggs now. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So let's talk about, if you want, a little bit about your other estates and the type of wines you make you guys are looking at each other like you take it
4: no you talk about it no No. you talk about it no that's not my estate my father gave me this Mm -hmm. and her father gave the other one estate to her Uh so everything is repeated in the years and so that's the present that my husband gave to Federica.
2: so the one in Marema and what about
3: Pantelleria that one is my brother. I'm sorry. We oh, he's not that. here. Yes, yeah, so we miss uh, the singer of the family. <laughs> no, he, uh, that is a project of my brother. I think it is a problem of my family. We are not able to have a house without a vineyard.
2: Uh, oh, okay. So, so if you a, need a house, you buy a vineyard with it.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
3: I, mean, I think this is the main uh, issue of the family. Good thing you only had two children, because otherwise <laughs> yeah, exactly, you would have, yeah, exactly.
2: 10 estates. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so exactly. tell, tell me about a little bit about Marema. What kind of wines do you produce?
3: It's very different. It's only two hours by car, but it's a totally different microclimb there. It's in Castiglione della Pescaia, in Maremma Toscana. So it's like one hour driving south than Bulgaria. Where we are located, it's near the seaside. So Maremma, it's quite a wide area. It goes even very much inland also. And so, being so close to the sea, we don't grow very much Sangiovese. Uh, actually, now we are in the process of replanting most of the vineyards. What we are very happy and uh, what we, we see is growing very well is the vermin. Yeah, of course. There, I mean... Following the steps of what uh, Liguria or uh, Sardinia has already done, Marema is now focusing very much in the Vermentino, in aged Vermentino, so even in Reserva. So that it's, uh, and then obviously we have uh, the grapes, uh, the red grapes on the Cabernet side. And, uh, so uh, when, when was the first vintage? 2007. Okay, so but the Vermentino it? arrived a little bit later because it was not planted, and we planted there. And what about Pantelleria, even if Nicolas is here? The first, the vintage, is 2011. Yes. So you
2: have, and do you do any sparklers?
3: Yes. <laughs> you, you do it, right? No, oh, that is the passion of my brother. Oh, okay, he does it. Where is he doing that? Part is done here. So we have a 100% of Sangiovese. From Volpaia, from oh, a single says. vineyard in And it, it's Metodo Classico. Esatto. and right? yes. millesimato. Okay, And uh, and we are doing since the 2010 vintage. And, and it's a small production, right?
2: So it's like uh, in Italian you say sfizio. I love that word. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, yes. Yeah.
3: it's very sfizio, yes. Okay. And then, uh, in the, more or less in the same moment, uh, he, he has a house. In uh, Pantelleria. But you know, another one uh, in Oltre Popavese, oh. so pay attention. He's trying to, to, to buy something there. Oh, I'm, I am a wow. force in here. Don't do it. Yeah. And so he, he joined the south and north um, of Italy. So the Pinot Noir from Old Trepo and the Azelecord Expedition, the Passito di Pentelleria. And so it's, this wine is made up in the north. Uh, in Old Trepot Pavese, it's nothing about our own grapes. Uh, but there is this uh, project, uh, too, and it's a sparkling, it's a spumante. Okay.
2: So, yeah. you know, uh, we spoke mostly about winemaking. I briefly touched on the vineyard management, right? Mm-hmm. Can you give me, like, like, the five things that we need to know about the different types of uh, microclimate, the soil structure and altitude, the exposure to sun, Can you, mm-hmm. the wind? Closeness the to this, yeah, about this, in, because it's very elevated, right? Where does it start?
1: Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery.
3: start, uh, the lowest uh, vineyard uh, is the one of the Castellino. It's around uh, 350 meters uh, and it is the one that now we are making uh, the sparkling wine from there because it was uh, the low one that for most of the other people is the high one. Mm-hmm. Then uh, well, more or less. Uh, what is the
2: altitude? 350,
3: 350 there. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, from, uh, from there we go up uh, the new vineyard that we have over Volpaia uh, reaches 650 meters, mm-hmm. so very high elevated for the area. So for sure, we have elevation. That is uh, quite a characteristic. Then uh, we our exposure, we look south. Mm-hmm. So southern exposure, obviously, is nothing flat. So you, you have southeast, southwest, and then in different slopes. Are you
2: able to do mechanical harvesting here? Or mm-hmm. no, everything is hand-harvested? Yes.
3: Everything is hand-picking hand and uh, work. Uh, it's a lot of work. Yes. And people that come so for the harvest uh, the second time, the second day, not always they come back uh, because it's very much work and going up and down, very stony. So another characteristic of Alpaya, a lot of stones in the vineyard and sand.
2: Yeah, we um, saw that. It's very
3: rocky. Yeah. So this is, um, it's really a huge difference after in the wine, so minerality. Microclimb because of the elevation, we have the valley below. So, even uh, in, at the end of the season, like September, Oct- more in October, sometimes uh, we see the vineyards in the bottom of the valley that could have lost already all the uh, leaves and still have uh, some bunch of grape that, that has to be picked. But upper, we don't have uh, a lot of fogs or things like this. And so, we still have all our leaves on the plants, and so they keep. Working uh, to ripen uh, the the grape for, for sure. The microclimate um, of Valpaya is quite uh, different, and so uh, at the same time a lot of wind that is good. Uh, it's always windy here, right? Yes, uh, it's good. I mean, in the summer now, with the change of the climate, for sure, we are reaching really high temperature anyhow. So now but before we didn't we have never needed a, a air conditioning in the rooms so now we start to have uh, this necessary What is
2: the diurnal um temperature range like the difference between the the um, high temperature and low temperature here.
3: It, it could be really high because, like, in the summer, you could be without, a, I mean, in T-shirt, even less, but in the afternoon, you need a sweater.
2: Right, You. you so it's cool in...
3: The- we... It, and uh, San, San Lorenzo, cos'è il... Um, mm-hmm. Saint Saint, protecting the village. Okay, that's I'm
2: agnostic, so whatever.
3: It's uh, August 10, and so it's in the middle of August, so it should be a very hot uh, day. Uh, We were doing a big party uh, every year in the past, and everybody was coming here dressed in a way at the beginning of the day, uh, of the evening, and at the end, they wear, everybody was wearing uh, its uh, jacket or its uh, sweater,
4: even if it was uh, August. Yes. But the climate change, uh, we helped us very, very much. Mm-hmm. So we are very uh, high elevation. So previously, we didn't reach the temperature we needed. For the sugar, enough sugar. Exactly. Yeah. So now the problem, if you we, remember the, the appellation, mm-hmm. Tells that reserva should reach at least um, at least a 12 degree alcohol. From now they should say they cannot go over <laughs> right, right, right. because the climate and really the people who were very lucky in the 60s or the 70s. Uh, Today they suffer. I always say, and it's true, I met this friend of mine a few days ago and he just confirmed, I don't tell you the name because he's a good producer, but in 2003, he asked me in a party, did you make wine this year? Yes, of course I did, why? No, I made marmalade, Mm -hmm. because there was no juice in the grapes, because he's very low located and- uh, But are you picking earlier now? Yes.
2: Uh, you are, right? Yeah. And what about frost? Is that a problem in this area?
4: Usually
3: in this area, it could be uh, for lower altitude. Uh, uh, but like the last fl- frost um, in, uh, in April that uh, this area had, we were not really impacted. Uh, I mean, we had like a 2% of the production, even less. But other people got really big damage.
2: You know, um, so you, the elevation, just getting back to that one nanosecond, um, the difference in elevation, mm-hmm. and it's predominantly Sangiovese, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? So do you have different clones according to different elevation?
3: No, not uh, about uh, different elevation, uh, but I was talking uh, today with the winemaker. Mm-hmm. And
2: Who's uh, the winemaker, by the way?
3: Uh, the local one, the one uh, that uh, has to live uh, with the grapes every day is uh, Lorenzo Regoli. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we have uh, in in the cellar. Um, uh, uh, Roberto doesn't come to me with the surname in this moment. Um, I uh um, Panoccia. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> <nice and nice laughs> <when you laughs> Roberto Pannocchia, Sorry, it was not a. Then we have a consultor uh, that is uh, Riccardo Cotarella. Yeah.
2: The super yeah. yeah.
3: But uh, it's, it's nice also to have somebody that works for different wineries and can bring you uh, problems, uh, solving problems uh, usually, that had somebody else. And then obviously it's very important also the people that are working in uh, the vineyards. So Simone Vignali, that is another important person for us. Because uh, and has to be in energy between the three of them that has right, to be right. connected. So, there is something,
2: uh, a new kind of association of Radha.
3: Yes. Yeah, what is,
2: what is, can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: We are now the Vignaioli di Radha. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, what is nice uh, is a big connection between all of us. How many
2: producers are there?
3: We are over twenty now, and uh, the the biggest important things uh, we eat a lot together and we drink a lot of together. Together, it seems, it seems like a, it seems
2: like an excellent um, reason to have an association.
3: Yeah, and different wines, yes, yeah, and and different wines from from the different areas of Radha. So a lot of exchanges. So next week uh, we have a nice tasting between all of us. Everybody brings his own wine, so we can be able to see what we are doing. But it's also an important exchange uh, about uh, what are you doing, uh, what is uh, also even, where are you buying the bottles because I have uh, problems uh, with my producer and exchange uh, technical notes, uh, practical notes, and then work together. Try to be much more... Sometimes the French are better. No. So try to be much more like French and work together. As an association, you can make much more impact than work as a... Maybe, group. maybe
2: because it's a small group, you can work together.
4: Can yeah. You know. it
3: can
2: be. Italians yeah. are notorious no.
4: individualists. <laughs> no, they don't share. So
2: individualistic. Yeah. Listen, so my last question um, before we close, what are, what are the um, food and wine recommendations? For for what are the food recommendations
3: for your wines? Uh, is a chianti classico is a Sangiovese. So for sure, sit at the table and eat and drink at the same time. Don't don't think about. For my point of view, I think about a Sangiovese. Drink it by yourself. I think it's much more pleasure if you have some food with. It. I'm sorry to be rude with the vegan or vegetarian, but the meat is the best right, pairing right. uh, for uh, for this type of, uh, of wines.
2: So, of course, it's typical, right? Canti Classico with Fiorentina steak. Mm. But what about international foods like, I don't know, tacos, hamburger? Well, hamburger is very similar, but so that seems to be like a logical choice. But what are some other um food items, international. you travel, you hate Korean food, so definitely <laughs> not Korean food. Okay, but what about some other types of international dishes?
3: I, I, I tell often this story because yeah. I remained very um, shocked, it was one of my first trip, I was in Hong Kong and was not really able to choose the food mm-hmm. and I was with the journalist and he chose uh, for me the food and, and arrived in the front of me, this wonderful white fish was looking like boiled white white fish and I said how How can you
2: drink it with cante?"
3: And actually was with a very fat sauce that you were not seeing at the beginning so the the sweetness of the and the fatness of that one was pairing incredibly well with this with the structure of the wine and I was so incredibly surprised and thanking the person so it's difficult for me to say what is the food. For example, Thai food with the spiciness is yeah. wonderful. No, it's, it's wonderful. It's low down. It's uh, fantastic. So and you would recommend with spicy food? Yeah. I, when, when it, it when doesn't cover up the. Um... It's uh, it's low down the spice. Obviously, the spice is always uh, for me is yeah. always too high. Yeah. But um, but uh, the red wine when when you have a uh, food too spice usually is. Bring a piece of paper, a paper, a um, bread, right. and and then drink a glass of wine, and you will have your mouth that finally breathe again. Right.
2: So. so it's making me really hungry. So I think we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Let's do a chin chin. Thank si. you. Chin chin and chin-chin. Chin-chin. thank you so much for the invitation. No,
3: thank you very much for, uh, for coming. coming.
2: Okay. And it's a wrap from Rada. See si. in Chianti. Esatto.
3: Okay. Ciao. Ciao ragazzi. Ciao, grazie mille.
0: Ciao, grazie. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinetia Academy